to see all the adults here tonight, too. Thank you for coming. Uh, we appreciate the opportunity just to share something about the Lord with everybody here tonight. So I want everybody to pay close attention to uh, what God's laid on my heart. I want to just be obedient and share with you what he's given me, and then we'll just trust that you'll obey him. We don't want to go any farther without praying. So if you would, would you bow your head with us? Father, we thank you for the opportunity today, and we pray that in every heart you might touch us, show us your light. In all of this, we pray that your word find its place in every heart, that the enemy wouldn't steal it away, but that everyone would hear this truth and recognize the importance of it. We ask for your help. We confess our strength with little, and we pray for the anointing of your spirit among us. Draw as only you can draw. And we pray that you would speak to those who are, Lord, at this moment in time, at that point where they need to choose. We trust you with this, understanding nothing but that you're the Savior. And you're able to save. So we ask you earnestly that you would speak in our hearts, all of us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I know that all this week has been about shining Jesus' light, and I know that many of you have taken to heart what's been said. Uh, we've got six-year-olds all the way uh, to those that are uh, almost uh, in your 20s now, 17, 18-year-old. And what you've done this week, at least as I've seen, has been a wonderful exercise in faith as you've shared with one another and you've encouraged one another, and we saw it even last night. Uh, again, others encouraging one another to carry uh, that burden and that cross and to help one another see that we don't do this alone. And uh, I'm grateful that I'm not alone and grateful that there's many people that are beside us and helping us carry this cross and lifting it up that others might see that light of Christ. Uh, if you have your Bibles today, I'm going to read just a few verses from the 11th chapter of Hebrews. I uh, feel like God would have us to look at the life of Moses tonight as we share with you our heart. And uh, I just want you to let God speak to you tonight, whatever it is he'd have you to hear and trust that his word will touch you. Uh, reminded in the gospel of, of the Romans where uh, the apostle Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. I don't have the power to save, but I know the one that does. And uh, I can say today that because of what his gospel did in my heart one day, it opened up my heart to a truth that I was unaware of. And he took the blindness and the darkness that was in my life, and he swapped that with his light. And uh, knowing Christ today is not something that is a religious exercise. It's not something that we simply go through the motions on. Uh, according to Jesus Christ, you have to be born again. Uh, and that is a supernatural occurrence that comes only through the Holy Spirit of God and his word. And uh, though that might be a, a deep concept for some of the young ones among us tonight, let me be clear, I was young when I got it. Amen. And so it's not... It's not as difficult as we tend to make it, certainly not as uh, difficult as adults try to make it. Uh, to be born again 
It's a simple process of responding to the Holy Spirit of God when he speaks to you. Uh, now, I'm not at liberty today, and grateful I'm not, to give everybody an invitation to come to Christ if you've not been drawn by Christ. If the Spirit of God's not dealing with you today, then there's, uh, there's no, no need for you to step forward, no need for you to, uh, to do anything other than what you're doing right now, and that's just listen, and you be ready to obey God. But I do want to say if you are here tonight and, and God does speak to you, young or old, hear me now. There is a day that will come to us each, and we must choose. We must exercise that faith that has been granted to us for that moment of time, and we must accept him as our own. We don't accept him for someone else. I got saved not because somebody else needed Christ. I got saved because I got lost. And I needed him. Hebrews chapter number 11. I'm going to begin today at verse number 23 and just read four verses. And we'll pray that God will speak to our hearts through these things. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Father, we pray you bless your word tonight. Touch our heart with it. We trust the Spirit of God will find its mark in everyone that's here and how we trust you believing that you alone can save. We ask it as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share with you a story tonight. Um, maybe some of the adults know the story and maybe they don't. But let me tell you the story about a time in Egypt when uh, all of Israel was bondage to the Egyptian Pharaoh. and They lived in that bondage under the cruel hand of taskmasters who brought burdens upon them that were extremely cruel and heavy and they used the children of Israel to build great things and to expand their wealth and they simply were the slaves of Egypt. Now Joseph had been there some hundreds of years before and there was a good Pharaoh at that time, and the children of Israel had, fa- had favor uh, under Egypt's care. But a different Pharaoh ruled now. There was a different king. And when he saw that the children of Israel, the children of God, grew and multiplied in great numbers and strength, he began to get very concerned. He told those advisors around him, he said, you know what, he said, if if these people of Israel decided to join our, our enemies, they could easily overthrow us because they are so many. And he come up with a plan of what he needed to do to slow down the growth of the people of God. And so what he did was he told the midwives, he said, every boy child that is born, you are to kill it. Well, The two midwives that were involved, or at least in charge of it, they were afraid of God. And they said, you know, we're not going to do that. We're not going to kill 
little boy babies just because they're boys. And, and so when Pharaoh found out, he called those two ladies to him and he said, hey, I thought I told you we have to kill those little babies. And they said, well, those, those, those Jewish women are much more lively than the Egyptian women and why they have those rascals before we can ever get there. Um, and yet those babies were still born. And, and so he came up with another plan. He said, then what we're going to do is I'll require every man child, every boy that is born is to be cast into the river, is to be killed. Now that was the commandment of Pharaoh. We read in Exodus chapter number two of a man and a woman who had a little boy at the same time. And they knew the king's commandment that they were required to cast that little boy into the river that it might be drowned. But they hid it for three months. The Bible tells us that uh, for three months, the mother of Moses hid him in their house so that no one would know he had been born. And then about three months, when it come to the time when she felt like it was safe enough at least to try to save him, she built a little basket and she put pitch on the outside and pitch on the inside or slime and she made a little boat. And she took that boat and she put Moses in it. Now remember, he was only three months old. He was a little bitty fella. And she had her daughter take that boat down to the, to the water and she hid that little boat in the bulrushes the edge of the water, and there it just floated and sat there while Miriam hid. wasn't long that Pharaoh's daughter came down to the water uh, to wash, and she heard a baby crying. And she sent her servants over to find out what that noise was, and when they went over there, they, came, they brought this little boat back, and it had Moses in it. And when Pharaoh's daughter saw the child, she had great compassion for him. Um, there are a lot of things that happen in our life that we're not in control of. Uh, a lot of you are here today and really had very little control of how you got here or how you got to this point in your life even. And in those times, isn't it good to know that there is a God that loves us? And he cares about us. And as we think about what happened to Moses, I'm reminded from verse number 23 that as he was hid for three months, and then after that his mother made that little boat, and she did everything she could to preserve the life of this child that was certainly in danger. According to the king, he was to be killed. And so putting him in that little boat and setting him on the water's edge she was trusting the providence and the sovereignty of God to do something that she couldn't do. Uh, let me make a statement to all of you today. Um, I can't save you. Right. Amen. But there are some things I can do. I can do my best to build that little boat. I can do my best to see that you get put in it. I can do my best to get you to the water's edge. But there is a point in my life that I have to say it's up to God now. If you're to be saved, it's up to God now. What a privilege it is for many of you to grow up in homes where you're taken to church. Amen. 
and, and you live in a family where your mother and your father are both believers in Jesus Christ and they live that way and, and they impart that love and that, that knowledge also to you. And, and I'll say today, if that's you and, and that's your situation, you're one of the few. Amen. You're one of the few. But let me speak to the rest this, this evening, to, every, to all the others that are here. Some of you have got situations and issues at, at home that you can't control. Uh, you, you may not even have both parents at home. You may live in a home that's been broken up for all kinds of different reasons. You may have experienced the hardship of, of having to, to live without a father there, or maybe not your mother, or, or maybe you live with your grandparents. And, and, you know, when we try to figure out some of that stuff, uh, it... Life is hard that way, and uh, I simply can't control that part. But you have made it to this point somehow, some way, and I'd like to give the credit today to God. I'd, I'd like to say that you're here today because God has brought you this far. Amen. Now, there's been people in your life that made sure that you were here this week. There have been people that have committed their time and maybe driving a van or their car to pick you up, and 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 they have made it. They have made a concerted effort to make sure that you were present here this week, and we're grateful for that. Just like Moses, someone had to help him get where he was when he was helpless to do it himself. The Bible said when Moses or Pharaoh's daughter seen Moses and he was in that basket and he was just a little baby laying in there and he was crying. And when she saw him, she had compassion on him. And she took that little baby and and about the time she got that little baby, Miriam come out from hiding and 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 Pharaoh's daughter said, This is one of the Hebrew children. And she had compassion on the child, and Miriam stepped forward, and she said, would you like me to find a Hebrew nurse that would nurse the child? Pharaoh's daughter said to Miriam, Moses' sister, she didn't know it was his sister. She said to Miriam, she said, yes. She said, find me a Hebrew nursemaid. And she said, I'll pay their wages. And when this child is weaned, they can bring him back to me. And she did. Oh, the providence of God. See, I could have been born in any part of the world to families that worshipped Buddha or Muhammad or other false gods. But I wasn't. I was born to a set of parents where one of them was saved, the other one wasn't. But about the time I I turned eight years old, my dad got saved. And when my dad got saved, he made us all go to church. That changed everything when the father of the house got born again and took responsibility To do what he could do. Yeah, blessing, 
You see, my dad couldn't save me. And when he had come to that truth himself and had, had gotten saved, he got born again. What he realized was is he had to do what he could do. And that was to bring me to the house of God. So I got drugged to church when I was eight years old. And, and somewhere along when I was about nine years old, I was sitting in the back of this very church. And God spoke to me. Now, we got some young ones with us tonight, and I don't know if it's your turn to be saved or not. I'm just telling you about my turn. Telling you what happened to me. God spoke to my heart and showed me as a nine-year-old boy that I was lost. Now, up to that point, I'd had very little control of my life. I had made very few decisions in my life. My parents told me what to do. They told me where to go. They took care of everything for me. They provided everything that I needed. And just like Moses, I was completely dependent on somebody else to care for my soul. Thank God somebody did. I don't, I don't know your situation tonight and, and the circumstances that you may deal with as children in your home. I, I don't know that. But I can say this. You have been here all week. Someone cared enough to get you here. Right, man. They cared enough to put Moses in a place that they simply had to trust God to do the next you know, coming to churches, that's really what that is. The best my parents could do was get me here. They couldn't save me. They couldn't make me be saved. They could have told me all day long how to be saved. But, you know, there's only so much that, that your parents can do. They're just not in control of your soul. But somebody has. And for the parents that are here tonight and, and guardians or, or whoever you are that have made an effort this week to make sure that these children have been here, I want to thank you for it. Because most of them can't drive. Most of them don't even make their own decisions for the most part. But somebody cared enough to put them in the little boat and to get them into a place or a position where God could do something miraculous. For me, I was minding my own business that night. My parents made me go to church. I didn't have an option. Thank God for that. They said I had drug problem. I got drugged to church every time the doors were open. Wasn't optional. Let me, let me be just frank with you. I had three boys of my own. It wasn't optional for them either. They went every time the doors were open. Because here's what I know, brother. can't save them. But there is something I can do. I can build the boat. 
And I can make that thing where it don't leak. And I can do my dead level best to put it in the water as close to where I know God will be. And somebody has done that for you tonight. Your souls are precious and of an infinite value. And I don't even have to know who you are, what your name is, where you live, or where you come from. doesn't make any difference what you do for a living, who you married. All of those things are irrelevant today. What matters is that you recognize that for whatever reason on God's plan and purpose, you have been allowed to be a part of a Bible school in 2023 where Christ has been presented to your heart as an opportunity for you to know him. And we can't save you. We have no intention of trying. I'm simply going to present you with the simple truth that God loves you and he wants to save you. And he'll speak to your heart just like he spoke to mine. When God spoke to me, there wasn't anybody around me. Well, I had a buddy that was about three feet away. I just showed him my Hot Wheel, put it back in my pocket. We traded them sometimes, but I wasn't trading that night. He had one and I had one. But I remember distinctly minding my own business as I sat there. You see, somebody had made me go. For that, I'm grateful. I didn't have control over that. But they put me in a place where there was a likelihood that something miraculous would occur. It did. While I was minding my own business, Randy, I wasn't asking nobody for this. I wasn't hunting for God. I wasn't looking to be saved. As a matter of fact, I didn't even understand it. God came and spoke to me. There was a fear that came over my heart, and I remember my heart beating so fast as an awareness rushed over my soul. And I knew immediately that I was lost. And lost means that if I was to die right at that moment, what I knew was that I'd miss heaven. More clearly, I was going to hell. And I knew that heaven was real and hell was real. And as he spoke to my heart that night, a miracle began to occur. Part of the miracle is when we realize we're lost without God. Part of the miraculous that takes place when a person is born again is the clear revelation in your own soul that it ain't your neighbor that needs saved, it's you. And that occurred in my heart. I remember recognizing and knowing in my soul that the only hope I had of escaping hell was to come to Christ, was to come to Jesus and ask him to save me. That's all I knew. I couldn't have explained to you the doctrine of justification. I couldn't explain to you (laughs) the relevancy of the scriptures and the inerrancy of I didn't know any of that stuff. All I knew, I was lost. And if I didn't get some help, I could die that way. I did what most do. 
that truly hear that call from God and fear going to hell. I slipped out of that bench and I made my way around here and slid in beside my mother. And they were all standing up. I don't, I don't remember the preacher. I don't remember anything he said. As a matter of fact, I wasn't paying attention at all that night. All I remember is God spoke to me. And as I stood there weeping and shaking, my mother looked down and saw me. She said, what's wrong with you? And with the tears falling, I looked in my mother's eyes and I said, I'm lost and I need to be saved. She stepped out of the way. She said, I can't help you. But he came, and she pointed me to that very bench. What a joy that I can point at the very place to you tonight where I got born again. And at nine-year-old, he changed my life. I've made a lot of mistakes, but he's been there through it all. What a gracious God. But somebody made sure I got where I could get that. And you're here tonight. Verse number 24 said this. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, verse 23, we learned that his mother... And his sister concocted this plan on how they were going to try to save him. They knew ultimately they couldn't do the saving, but if they could just get him into a place where he could get saved, that there was a good chance he would be. Boy, when Pharaoh's daughters laid her eyes on that baby, she said, I'm going to have that. That one's mine. God put a love in her that she didn't know she had for that little Hebrew boy. You know why why she loved him so much? She couldn't help it. Because God had plans for that child. And God was orchestrating events in his little life when he was unable to do it himself. There was a supreme and holy God that was working in that youngin's life to make a way for him to be his own. I'm overwhelmed at this thought tonight because every pair of eyes that are looking back at me are here not by accident, but by the intent and purpose of someone that loved you enough to get you to this place. So that if tonight happens to be the night where you come to that year, the Bible said when he was come of years, speaking about Moses, when he grew up in Pharaoh's house, he was saved that day at the water's edge. And when when Miriam brought the child back to Pharaoh's daughter, having been weaned, he lived with Pharaoh's daughter from then on. He was a grandson of the Pharaoh of Egypt. But when he had come to years, when he was come to years, 
I find that statement interesting because what it means is is that there is a time. There, there is a point in your life, and I don't know when that is. I don't know what day that is. I don't know what year that is. But there is a point in your life that Jesus Christ will come to you. And it is at that point that you, like Moses, will have to make a choice. God had got him to the place through his his parents and his sister to where he could be saved. And, and from that, he was brought into an extraordinary circumstance to grow up in the luxury of, of the greatest that Egypt had to offer and to be schooled and trained in the finest places that were available for Egyptian children. And here this little Hebrew boy had been put right in the middle of God's plan. You say, what has this got to do with me, preacher? And then I'm looking at the adults too because I don't know that all you rascals are saved either. As a matter of fact, some of you right right now know you're headed to hell. So listen. You're also at this place at this time right now. Not by accident, but by the providence of a holy God that loved you enough to put his son on a cross in your place that he might save you. And if that's you tonight, you need to obey God. You need to obey and believe Christ as your Savior. Don't leave without knowing that you've been born again. When Moses had come to years, I happened to be nine years old. There's others in here that were younger than that and some that was much older. Much older than that. I don't know what your year is. But I know it could be this one. And I know this much that when Moses had got to that particular point, there was a choice that had to be made. And that's a choice that we'll all face. What we know about God is that uh, it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What we know about what Christ has offered to you and I is that we must believe. And we must accept him as Lord of our life. And you know, to be Lord of your life, it means you've got to give up your own. You lay down yours to take on his. And that's exactly what he's offering. He's not here to bargain with you. He's not trying to negotiate part of your heart. He either gets it all or he'll have none. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be everything that you need him to be. And he will be if you'll let him. Moses came to a point in his life where he had to make a choice and he decided, he made his mind up that day. He refused on that day to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I don't know how hard you think that would have been. But this boy had been raised for decades now. He was no longer just a a wee lad. Now he was a he was a grown man. And he come to that day in his life that he said, I'm not an Egyptian. 
I don't want to be the grandson of a Pharaoh. I am not the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Oh, what a decision he made that day. What an extraordinary choice that he made. You say, preacher, I don't know if I could make that choice to give up the very lap of luxury, to give up being the son of a Pharaoh, to give up all of the entitlement and and everything that came with being a Pharaoh's grandson. I'm not sure I could give that up. And that's part of the reason most of the world dies lost without God is they can't give it up. They never come to the place in their life that they recognize they're not meant to be a son of Pharaoh. God wants them to be his own son. Your heart tonight, your soul, the part of you that is eternal, has got to be born again. For you remain a child of Pharaoh's daughter. And we don't get into heaven unless we're a child of God. You can't be a child of this world and still get into heaven. You can't live like you lived before. You can't have that life you thought you would always have. What? What we get when we're born again is we are no longer a child of the world. We become a child of God. And he refused that day to be a child of the world. And he made his mind up he'd be a child of God. Now, let me close with this. I want you to think about it. The Bible said that he chose rather, verse number 25, said he chose rather to suffer the affliction with God's people than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, that was Moses' choice. Right. Do you know that's your choice? Right. Amen. It's Amen. not any different for you tonight. Amen. You've got a simple choice. Now, again, you can't make that choice until you've come to the years. Or in essence, until you've come to that point in your life where the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and says, now it's your turn. Now it's your time. Now it's your opportunity to decide. Will you be saved? Now somebody made effort to get you here. This is the fifth night that we've been together. And God has been good all week long. Some of you have even confessed to others that you're not saved and that you want to be. Some of you have admitted that you're not where you need to be with God. All that can get rectified tonight if God's dealing with you. But I want you to hear this part because this isn't easy believism, right? I'm not asking you to sign a card and I'm not going to pat you on the back and tell you you're saved. Listen, if you go to heaven, it'll be strictly because Jesus Christ saved your soul. The best I can do is put you in the boat and get you as close to the miracle as I can. And that's what we're trying to do tonight, to get you as close to Christ as we can. But if you've come to the years, if you've come to the time, the moment in your life where a decision has to be made, mark my word, you'll have to make it. You say, preacher, I'm just not going to make it. That is a decision. If you decide not to respond to the Spirit of God in your heart, you have made a choice. 
Now, Moses had a hard choice to make. He could stay as he was, and he could enjoy the pleasure that comes from sin. And that is the challenge with everybody in the human flesh is it loves sin. Flesh loves this world. And Moses was facing what he knew to be the greatest decision, the greatest choice he would ever make, and he made that choice just like that. And I'm going to tell you why in a second, but he made the choice just like that. I don't believe he even stumbled at it. Moses made the choice. He said, I'd rather suffer with the people of God than I would to enjoy the pleasures of sin for just a little while. Why do you think maybe he was so confident in this decision that he made? Well, I think it was because he recognized that the pleasure of sin lasted only for a short time, while what God offers lasts forever. What Jesus Christ is offering you today in salvation is eternal. Your little mind ain't able to grab that, and mine ain't either, but it's forever and ever and ever. And you can just keep right on with the ever. It's that long. What he's offering you today is a life eternal. You are going to die, right? That's not a new concept to anybody. Every one of us knows there's an end to each one of us. There's an expiration date on this flesh. It will stop one day. The question is, is where are you going after that? Where will you spend forever and ever Endeavor. You see, what Moses could see, most people don't see. Moses could see that it was far better to know that he was going to that forever and would miss the other forever. And that was an easy choice for Moses. I'll have to say that it was a pretty easy choice for me. Now, I didn't have to contend with Pharaoh's riches That didn't tempt me at all. I didn't have to worry about a bunch of that other stuff that maybe Moses had to contend with. No, I was just a child. I was just a boy. I was just a skinny little nine-year-old feller. And I'll tell you, I I can't think of a better time to get saved than when you're young. Before you got all that baggage and before you got all Pharaoh's riches to worry about and all the pleasures of sin that this world can provide to your flesh, before you got all that to contend or wrestle with, it's a whole lot easier just to give your life to Christ as a child and believe. Now, the Bible said that he chose to suffer the afflictions of God's people than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season, esteeming the reproaches. What he did was he he weighed in the balances. He looked at at what was coming and and looking at the reward. Moses was looking at... he He had the ability, as you do today, to recognize that there is an eternity out there. And we got to get ready for that. Because even if we lived 70 years, 100 years on this earth, it goes by just like that. And then you're dead. And where will your soul be then? What happens then? Well, listen, there ain't but two places to go when this is over. 
You're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. Thank God for a Savior who died on a cross, took all of my sin, and paid that sin debt so that I could go free. I don't claim to have any kind of ability or intellect or understanding than anybody else before me ever had. All I know to tell you is that when he spoke to me, I knew who was speaking. There wasn't no preacher whispering in my ear. I didn't have my mother and my dad trying to drag me to the altar. They didn't even know I was in trouble. No. I had come to the year. Somebody had made sure I was in the water. That was as close as they could get me. Dustin was to get me to the water. But that night, what happened was what they had hoped would happen. What they had prayed would happen. What my grandparents had prayed would happen. Jesus came by. They didn't know it, but that night in 1976, I had come to the year. I had reached the point that Christ came to me. And I recognized in that moment that this world didn't matter and that eternity did. And I made a simple choice to follow Christ, to bow before him and just ask him to save me. I don't, remember, I don't even remember what I prayed. But I know this. He changed me that day. And he made me his own. You can choose to reject Christ. We're going to close now. You can choose to reject him. Listen. Pay attention now. You can reject him. And you may have another opportunity. I know not that. You may never again get a chance where the Holy Spirit bids you to come. And you don't walk into God's place uninvited. You'll have to go when he speaks to you. But if he's speaking to you tonight, this is your opportunity. This is the day that God intends to make you his own. I'm talking about the old and the young. Without Christ, we all go to that place. But with him, there is a place that he has promised, a place far better than this, a place where there's no more heartache, no crying, no sorrow, no tears, a place where there is no sin, and he's promised we'll be there with him forever. There is a heaven, but you don't just walk into it. You have to be born again, young or old. You have to be born again. I'm going to give you an invitation tonight as we just play a, a song. I'm going to ask you to consider in your heart where you are. Maybe you know right now that you are saved, but you've not been living right. Maybe your life is full of sin, and you need to get right and repent before God. I trust that you'll make that choice tonight. 
Do what you know needs to be done. If you've been born again, you know that. And if you've got sin in your heart, you also know that. And you need to get right with God. I trust that you'll make that choice. But if you're here tonight and you know you've never been saved and God's speaking to you, then tonight's your night. That day has come. The day that came for Moses, the day that came for me, it's come for you. And if this is that night, don't miss it. Do not miss it. This may never come again. And I trust you'll be careful to make that right choice. All right. We're going to ask you, if you would, to stand with us. Okay? And if you need to use this altar, it's open. We pray that you'll come.
Joshua would say it like this. He said, you can serve God or you can not serve God. He said, but this for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. A choice has to be made, you see. You can't just go on indifferent to God. When he speaks to you, you have to reach back. You've got to receive this gift he offers. God fix what's wrong in you. Would you come?
you tonight. If you need him, you're the only one that knows. But if you need the Lord, why don't you come? Get right with God. You're the only one that can make the choice for you. You've got to determine whether you want to spend eternity with him or in hell. If he's dealing with you tonight, that's what's on the line. You need to obey God. Someone else. Someone else. Lenny, would you like to give your testimony? I was the age of 13 year old. 
sitting on the second bench, Miller's Coke Church. While the church was having a shutdown meeting, I was sitting on the second pew arguing with God. But he got to the point, he told me, he said, Brian, this is your last opportunity. If you do not accept me tonight, you will wake up in the morning in hell. Let me tell you something, that was scary. That'll open your eyes. I decided then that that was the opportunity, and I run. I gave my life to God. I ain't never resented ever since. I've enjoyed it. My walk with God, even though I haven't been exactly what He had me to be, He's always been a friend. He's always with me.
to have seen me 15 years ago, you would not recognize me. But the providence of God, it's like Tommy said, you're not here by mistake. God, amen. And so amen. he's calling. I'm going to have to give mine. I knew when I sat down that uh, I was going to have to give it. And I'm trying to get out of it, but um, I haven't given mine in a long time. But, uh, young and old, listen. I wasn't raised in church. And I happened to marry into a family that was in church. Knew all about the Lord when I was 19. And I knew they were waiting on me to be saved. And uh, one Sunday morning, I got up, went to the altar. And uh, I went down. I said the prayer that I was supposed to say. And I got up. Thought I was saved. I did what I was supposed to do. But uh, for ten years, and for ten years, I mean, I taught Sunday school. I did BBS. I was a, a lot of things in the church. But uh, when I was 28, there revival. The preacher preached on a church member being lost. When God came to me and told me it was me. I made my way to the altar, and it was hard because I had been everything that I had been. I felt like I was alive, but I was alive. I had no peace, no peace. And I told my closest friends I had no peace. But I did what I was supposed to do. But when I was 28 and he called me and I went down on my knees, there was no doubt when I came up. What he did for me and the peace that I will never understand came over me. And I'm telling you my testimony because it is real. You can't get it on your own. You can go up there. You can do whatever, you know, whatever preacher tells you to say or do or whatever. It's not real unless the Lord calls you. And you will know His voice. You will know there will not be any confusion. There will not be any. But uh, I have failed Him over and over and over. Over and over and over. And He has loved me through it. I don't deserve His love. I don't deserve His mercy or His grace. I don't deserve anything that He has to offer me. But He gives it unwillingly. I've left Him, but He's never left me.
He wants it as his. Right. He'll do everything he can. Now, I keep making it saved and you keep eating. But if God's dead and living, I hope you're praying that they'll come. Amen. Because the only hope they got in this world is Jesus Christ. And that goes for everybody. If you ain't got Christ, you don't have anything to You're headed for hell. And there's a day coming that you're going to find out you wasted your whole life. When God could have saved you, he would have saved you. But you would not. You wouldn't turn loose your pride. You wouldn't turn loose your own heart and your, your desire for this world. And you're going to find out in the end it was worth nothing because you missed Christ. You missed heaven. I don't know your heart, but you better get right with God who's dealing with you. If you're not, you can stay right where you're at. But if God's dealing with your heart, you better you better pay attention to the song. Because the opportunity to get saved, it ain't just out there for anybody on the phone. You have to be drawn by the Spirit of God and you're going to miss heaven. I hope you'll obey God tonight. We'll pray for you. Anything we can to help you. But you're going to have to receive salvation. You can't just get to heaven on yourself. You need when you come.
chapter Romans, the Bible says, and with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Here's your moment. If you got saved tonight, I need you to come forward. If you got saved tonight, you come forward. This is an important part of your salvation. With the heart, men believe it, and the righteousness. But with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Somebody else, you get saved tonight. You did. This is an important part of it. As a child of God, we make a stand.
y'all started doing was putting house uh, back near the place where we get baptized and just getting ready to sing Christmas songs. I felt something empty in my heart. I didn't know what it was. I knew I was lost. I knew praying. That night, wrap us up about 12 men, I'm going to say. I felt it a million times that he's never going to tell my life.
for you being here. I want to thank the parents, everybody that made a way for these children to be here and give us just an opportunity to share Christ with them. Appreciate all of them. They're an active bunch. They have been all week. Yeah, we appreciate the Lord for working in our hearts. We hope you'll stay with us and eat and let the kids have fun. We're just going to stay around a while and fellowship. If you do that, we sure would appreciate it. We're so glad that you've done. If you don't have a home church, we're welcome to here. We love you. God bless you with our prayer. All hearts and minds clear. <laughs> I want to share with
because it takes Holy Spirit conviction. But he went on to do another statistic about Jesus' life. And he said that just for 48 of those scriptures, of the 300 to 400 scriptures that were foretold in the Old Testament, from the very beginning of time in Genesis up until 550 years before Jesus was ever born, up to, you know, six, well, 400 years before he was born, and I can show you scripture of where that's at. But he said the statistical probability of one man being able to fulfill that was 1 or 10 to the 157th power. And I don't know why he's asked me to do this, but I have to do it. <laughs> this is 157 zeros on this piece of paper to show you, to get you to wrap your mind just a little bit around what God did to make it possible for you to be saved and to be His child if He calls to you. And I'm going to start over here because I honestly have no idea how long this will go. It took me a lot of time in the basement hallway.